0: You are here because you believe that it is better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. You want to conquer your goals without sacrificing your well-being while also enjoying the things that matter most. The Zen Stoic path will guide you to unshakable inner peace through a unique approach that blends the timeless wisdom of Zen Buddhism and Stoic philosophy. Through this journey, you'll apply thousands of years of lessons while integrating modern techniques of emotional mastery. You'll be ready to conquer any challenge life throws your way, while being peacefully present to each moment. Join us on the Zen Stoic Path today. Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, we're going to be answering the question, what is Zen Stoicism? Now, this is our very first episode, so I'm incredibly excited and grateful to be able to have this opportunity to share these ideas with you that have affected my life in such a profound way, but not just my life, but the lives of my friends, family, clients, and the audience of the Zen Stoic podcast, which is a previous version of this podcast. The previous version of this podcast has been downloaded over a 100,000 times and is still available if you want to go and access more content from Zen Stoic. Now, in this episode, we're going to be going through a few different topics. Typically, the episodes of the Zen Stoic Path are going to be between 5 to 10 minutes long, where you're going to be able to get a bite-sized piece of wisdom that you can take with you for your day. But for this week, our episodes are going to be slightly longer, as in today's episode, we're going to be going through what Zen Stoicism is, how this podcast works, what the difference between Zen and Stoicism is, and how they come together to create Zen Stoicism. We're also going to be going into how I use Zen Stoicism to prevent myself from having a rock bottom in 2020. There were a lot of events that happened in 2020, which I'll be going through later in this episode, that could have left me in absolute shambles. But thanks to Zen Stoicism and the philosophy that it is, I was able to pull myself out of it and not just bear or tolerate ...the challenging and difficult times, but also be able to experience them with peace, gratitude, and be able to thrive through them... ...as I went through the inevitable storms that life had brought my way. Our episodes will be released on a daily basis. Each day is going to have a different topic or theme. Each day will have a different style... So Mondays are going to be story days where we go into a Zen or Stoic story, or a story that has nothing to do with Zen or Stoicism, but is aligned with the principles that we discuss on this podcast that will allow you to carry that wisdom for your day. Tuesdays is going to be a Zen or Stoic lesson, so we'll either be going through a quote or a specific concept that comes from either one of those philosophies. Wednesdays, we're going to be going through common pain points and things that we all experience and how to solve them using Zen Stoicism. Thursdays are going to be our Q&A days where we will take questions in and answer them on the podcast. Now, if you follow me on Instagram at Victor, Pierre, and Tony, you'll be able to see how I use my dog, Poe, who I call Zen Master Poe, as the prompt for the questions that we ask on this podcast. So we have a hashtag called Poe Wants to Know, and Poe is the true Zen Master. He is the true Brains ...behind the operation of Zen Stoicism, and I am simply his humble translator. He is an adorable dog who is super Zen, and you can ask him your questions each and every week, and they'll be answered on the Thursday Q&A. Fridays are going to be an interview or a conversation. It could be an interview with an expert, somebody who is well-versed in Zen or Stoicism, or both... Or it might just be a conversation with a cool person who lives a lifestyle that is aligned with Zen Stoicism. So you'll be able to hear from multiple different people and different approaches on how they live their life, how they create their own sense of unshakable inner peace. So let's get into our first question. Let's first define, what is Zen? Well, Zen is a really interesting concept because Zen is not a philosophy. Zen is actually more about experience, whereas Stoicism is about logic. And to define Zen is to understand that As an experience, it cannot necessarily be captured into words. It's all about the present moment. It's all about being here and now. Typically in Zen, this is achieved through something called Zazen, which is seated meditation. But one of the ways I love to define Zen is actually from a specific quote from Alan Watts in his book, The Way of Zen, where he writes, people feel like puppets and victims of their experience because they separate themselves from the mind. They think that they did not ask to be born as if the nature of the mind and body was thrust upon them involuntarily, to be operating such a sensitive organism by alternating pleasure and pain. Zen asks us to find out who it is that has the mind and who it was to not ask to be born. There is no myself. The prevalent sensation of oneself as a separate ego enclosed in a bag of skin is a hallucination, which accords neither with Western science nor with the experimental philosophy religions of the East. I have no other self than the totality of things in which I am aware. Zen's style of action is to enter everything wholeheartedly and freely without having to keep an eye on itself. The perfection of Zen is to be perfectly and simply human. The difference of the adept in Zen from the ordinary person is that the latter are in one way or another at odds with their own humanity and attempting to be angels or demons. Alan Watts, The Way of Zen. So that was a lot. <laughs> There's a lot to take in, and a lot to unpack with that definition, but the whole idea is that Zen is all about being completely present in the experience of your humanity, to realize that there is no self, there is no separate ego, that this is something that we actually create, and that to experience the present moment is when we are one with all things, when we forget the self. There was a great Japanese Zen master named Dojin Zenji who said, to study Zen is to study the self, and to study the self is to forget the self. And in that, we need to realize that the forgetting of the self is when we are completely present in whatever it is that we are doing, whatever activity. That does not have to be a seated meditation. It can be any activity. Although, typically, Zen is practiced using meditation as a primary exercise. Now, some of the drawbacks of Zen are pretty interesting because I'd say one of the first ones is that it's not super practical, at least compared to Stoicism, it's not very practical. But Zen is extremely meditation-oriented, and philosophical thinking is not at the core of it, so it's hard to grasp onto, and this is where it starts to lose practicality and actionability. A lot of practitioners and teachers of Zen believe that without daily meditation, there is no authentic Zen practice, that it is in, in essence pointless. And in one of Mark Manson's articles, why I'm Not a Stoic he actually talks about the similarities and differences between Zen and Stoicism. And in that when he's talking about and and when he's talking about some of the drawbacks of Zen, Zen in essence sees meditation and seeking enlightenment as the primary directive. So if you're doing anything other than sitting and meditating, whatever it is, is pointless. So One of the drawbacks is that it becomes difficult to find meaning in everyday life that most of us are a part of. And if you're listening to this podcast, then you're part of that world. The whole idea when it comes to Buddhism, generally speaking, is that the root of all suffering is attachment. This is one of the four noble truths of Buddhism. And when we think about when we think about the root of suffering being attachment, many practitioners take this very literally and attempt to become unattached to everything. And what is taught in Zen is that trying to become unattached to everything is an attachment in and of itself. So to pursue this ideal to its logical conclusion actually doesn't work because there's an attachment created nonetheless. So Zen is very interesting in the sense that it's very experiential. It's very, it ebbs and it flows. It's not about being completely unattached or following a doctrine or philosophy to a T, but it's more about the experience. And one example, in Zazen, seated meditation, there is a focus on the rhythm of the breath, the inhale and the exhale. And in Zen, when one meditates, the idea is to reach a state of enlightenment or nirvana. And nirvana translated means to exhale. So this whole exercise of breathing in and breathing out, the inhale is the attachment, the desire, the grabbing onto. If you hold your breath and you stop breathing, eventually you'll die. So the whole idea of this is that You do not hold on to things. You do not attach to things for so long. That attachment will happen. Suffering will happen. But you can always let it go in the exhale. So that's Zen in a nutshell. Now let's talk about Stoicism. Now, Stoicism is a philosophy from ancient Greece. And without getting too much into the history of this, I'll go into how it was created. Stoicism was created by a man named Zeno. And Zeno was a traveling merchant. And one day, Zeno experienced a shipwreck in a storm. He ended up getting to Athens and began to study philosophy. And as he began to study philosophy, he started looking at his situation of the shipwreck in a different way. He didn't look at it as a tragedy that defined him, but rather he looked at it as a good fortune that he survived this shipwreck, that he had been stripped of his belongings, his material possessions, and that he realized that none of these things defined him. So Stoicism was born out of this this idea of turning obstacles into triumph or opportunity. And Zeno began to teach this philosophy, on what was called the Stoa. Now, one of the most important things in Stoicism was actually created by the philosopher Epictetus, who Epictetus was a slave for most of his life, and he created something called the Dichotomy of Control, where he said, The chief task is simply this, to identify and separate matters so that I can say clearly to myself, which are externals not under my control, and which have to do with the choices I actually control. Where, then, do I look for good and evil? Not to uncontrollable externals, but within myself to the choices that are my own. Epictetus. The basic idea of this is to focus on what you can control and discard everything that you cannot control. And this is where Stoicism falls. Now, in order to define Stoicism, one of the, one of the most prominent Stoic writers of our time is Ryan Holiday. And Ryan Holiday, one of the most prominent Stoic authors of our time, actually goes into this in a YouTube video where he says, Stoicism explained in three minutes. And he doesn't get into the history of Stoicism or necessarily how it came to be, but he brings it down to the four virtues of Stoicism. Because Stoicism ultimately is about serving the community, serving humanity, and living a virtuous life. And it does so through the four virtues, which are wisdom, temperance, justice, and courage. Wisdom is this whole idea of perception, to focus on what you can control and what you cannot control, and letting go of what you cannot control, to reflect on one's life, to reflect on one's challenges, to examine oneself in your behavior towards yourself and others. Temperance is this idea of not indulging in your emotions or the pleasures of life, not giving in, or as Marcus Aurelius, one of the other prominent Stoic philosophers, would say, not to be overpowered by pain or pleasure. We can indulge in pain. We can indulge in pleasure. Justice. Treating others with fairness and patience. Being compassionate to other people. Being patient with other people. Understanding that everybody is on their own path and not everybody is necessarily where you're at. Courage. The ability to act in difficult situations in spite of fear. To turn adversity into opportunity. Being able to face challenges daily with integrity. Stoics would practice courage by engaging in voluntary discomfort, by speaking truth, by saying things that maybe weren't the popular opinion. So these four virtues are essentially what Stoicism is. Wisdom, temperance, justice, and courage. It is to focus on what you can control, to realize that you don't control the events of life, but you do control how you respond to them. And you can always respond with these four virtues, as long as you recognize what you control and then you express these virtues. Another thing that Stoicism believes is that external things are given by fortune, and it is to have indifference to what you don't have or what you feel might be missing and gratitude for what you do have, that everything is temporary, everything is borrowed, which leads us into another one of the Stoic practices of memento mori, to also realize that this life is temporary and you are mortal, you're going to die one day. And this allows us to direct the focus of what we can control onto what is important to think about our own death. And many people listening to that might think that sounds pretty morbid or dark, but the truth is that meditating on our own mortality is what actually allows us to focus on what's important. And those who are afraid to think about death are really and truly afraid to live. Maybe they have some regrets. Maybe they have some fears. So thinking about your own mortality was one of the great stoic practices that I still practice to this day but it allows you to bring a sense of prioritization to that which really matters. Now, some of the drawbacks of Stoicism is that Stoicism often saw human emotion as a distraction, something that would bring somebody further away from logic. This, taken to its logical conclusion, makes us kind of break away from our emotions, which is not really a good thing because human emotion has a lot to tell us. It has a lot of meaning and wisdom within it if we understand how to listen to it. Stoics are typically criticized of being heartless men of stone. The other thing is that in Stoicism, they practice something called apathia. So the definition of apathy today is not necessarily a good thing. It's this lazy indifference. But the way the Stoics practice it was apathy to external harm or not having much of an opinion on external events. Now, again, taken to its logical conclusion, if you have no opinion on anything external, you'll end up creating a life that is meaningless where you're not you're not attached to anything or anyone. So just like in Zen Buddhism, being completely detached or indifferent is going to remove the meaning out of life. We need to be attached to some things. We need to care about some things. We need to have opinions on some things. But the idea is a prioritization of what to have an opinion on. Now, one thing that Mark Manson had written in his article, Why I'm Not a Stoic, that also points to one of the drawbacks of Stoicism, is much of what we experience as rational thought is still highly laden with emotions. It's actually impossible to separate the two. And worse, when we believe we're detaching from our emotions, we're often simply tricking ourselves. Not only is being unaffected by our emotions probably impossible, but often we find that people who try to resist their emotions usually need a lot more therapy than those who embrace them. Paradoxically, it's only by engaging and expressing our emotions that they lose their power over us. So this is a very interesting concept because, again, some people who practice Stoicism to an extreme can sometimes become devoid of all emotions, and this creates a severely limited perception on life and on problem solving. Remember, it's not about shutting down the outside world, but having prioritization, having a sense of what is important and what's not important. Now, here are some differences and similarities between Stoicism. So let's start with some of the similarities. Life is painful. Chasing pleasures and desires merely adds to that pain, makes it worse, makes it compound upon itself, and the acceptance of pain takes away its power. And both Zen and Stoicism agree with this. Now, both Zen and Stoicism meet pain, suffering, and adversity with equanimity. They look at it without having an initial opinion or thought, but they look at it and have a direct experience with it. They don't shy away from it. Both see the time as now and acknowledge the present as being most important to take action or to simply live in, and they acknowledge the temporary nature of life. Now, Stoicism fights the ego, whereas Zen believes the ego is an illusion, so they practice non-self or no-self, whereas the ego does not exist. Now, the Stoics focus on a detachment from their emotions in favor of reasons, whereas Zen Buddhists believe that both emotions and reasons are illusions. Therefore, detaching yourself from emotions and trading it for reason is just as much a mistake as attaching yourself to your emotions in the first place. So this is where they both have a sense of drawback because one thinks that one is better than the other, but the reality is there's an ebb and flow between emotions and reason that we need to practice, i.e. the existence of Zen Stoicism and this podcast. Now, while Zen has a large respect for the limits of knowledge and logic, Stoics use logic and prioritize logic as a method of problem solving. So there is a limitation in only using logic to problem solve because life is not 100% logical, just like it's not 100% emotional. There is a mix of both. And we need to understand that these are two sides of the same coin. They're not different or separate from one another. They are part of the exact same experience. Zen is very interested where logic fails and questions don't always have clear answers. Zen sees its wisdom not from having these great philosophical answers, but in asking thought-provoking questions. Now, Stoicism recognizes that virtuous acts take a consistent effort and may never be permanently achieved, but... A good life is a life where you are approaching virtue, that you're approaching virtue through those four virtues that we discussed earlier of stoicism. The last thing that we're going to discuss here is how Zen stoicism saved my 2020 from being a rock bottom. 2020 was a crazy year for everybody. We all dealt with political polarity, a global pandemic, chaos, misinformation going all over, social isolation and crazy things on social media, which didn't help either. And we all lived through it, but that doesn't mean it didn't scare us to death. And at least for me, my personal life changed entirely. And a lot of it had very little to do with the actual pandemic that we are going through. In 2020, my dad got diagnosed with melanoma. And for those of you who know my background you know that my mom passed away from cancer when I was seven years old. So this really hit hard for me. My grandfather also passed away. My aunt and uncle, who are like a second set of parents for me, filed for divorce and are in a nasty battle with one another. A business deal that I had invested too heavily fell through and the money that I had invested in it and that I was depending on at that part of the year completely disappeared. So income was affected, livelihood was affected, One of my close and trusted friends and I fell out and this was a really tough experience. I had some injuries that prevented me from doing jujitsu, which again, the injuries were not the problem necessarily, but they certainly didn't help with all the rest of the stress going on. Jujitsu is like my therapy and I wasn't able to actually go and practice a lot of the time because either we were stuck in the house because of the pandemic or when things actually did start to open up again, I was getting hurt more often than I normally did. And then finally, the icing on the cake for 2020. My marriage fell apart. All these things happened within the year of 2020. So there was one thing after another piling up and it felt like the whole world was crashing down on me. A lot of these experiences made me feel completely hopeless. But through Zen and Stoicism, I was able to stay afloat. Not just stay afloat, but actually move through some of these experiences and learn from them in real time without being completely destroyed by them. So with Zen, it kept me fully present where I actually felt my emotions and the pain of my experiences rather than blocking them out. So I was able to actually process the emotions. Stoicism helped me to take ownership of the problems so that I could do what was in my control and think effectively and make decisions with a clear mind. So 2020 didn't turn out to be a rock bottom for me after all. In fact, it became The year that completely changed me, the year that stripped away everything that was not me, the exact things that I used to help my clients, I had to rely on. And I can say with great humility and gratitude that they worked. I actually emerged out of 2020 more happy, peaceful, and accepting of myself than I'd ever been in my life. I was able to help my dad who decided to take his health into his own hands and is now healthier than ever without any symptoms of melanoma in his body. I had the most successful financial year of my business with the least amount of work-related stress. Although my marriage dissolved, I was able to pass through that heartbreak without losing my center, and everything was managed with a sense of peace and respect. What's interesting to me is that all of these experiences, as difficult as they were, illustrated how powerful the combination of Zen and Stoicism can be in a person's life. Not just for the people that I help, but also in my own life when it was my turn to turn to it. Zen Stoicism is not going to keep you from experiencing hardships. We are all going to go through the inevitable battles of life. But it can permanently alter the way that you respond to the storms and the battles of life that you will inevitably have to go through at some point or another. This is what it means to be the warrior in the garden. This is what it means to have unshakable inner peace. To realize that these experiences will happen. But you don't have to lose your center. You don't have to be shaken up and left in shambles by the battles of life. For the remaining episodes in this week, I'm going to be going through each of these events and exactly what lessons from Zen and Stoicism were able to help me. How to deal with death, in the family, how to support a loved one when they are confronted with their own mortality, how to make your way through financial hardship and loss of income, how to keep your center even when you're going through heartbreak, how to know who your real friends are and who's got your back in this life. We're going to be going through all of these topics throughout the week and the exact lessons of Zen and Stoicism and how they help me, my clients, friends, and my family. Thank you so much for listening to this very first episode of the Zen Stoic Path. I look forward to seeing you on the next one.